0: you have your Bibles you should probably already be there from the reading Matthew chapter number three this morning and I do want to take just a moment and say it's a privilege uh, and an honor to be with you today I love your pastor brother Wilkerson and I have become dear friends and I sure thank God for him the ministry of this church I've got kids that's had the privilege of being here at the college got a son sitting there with his mom Lord willing will be here in the fall and uh, training for ministry and so thank you for all that you do For the effort the work and the love not just for the church but how you help young people and give a place where parents like me can send our kids to and trust and and know that something good's going to happen there and then i do ask you i do want to thank the church for the support y'all support us monthly i pastored for many years and uh, into march april 2020 the lord said step down our church was doing great i wasn't discouraged or anything like that just the lord said it was time to go and then the end of the year the lord let me know i was to take over uh formerly dr david wood's ministry now operation go international we're in a transition period and i'll be taking that lord willing next year completely as the president vice president right now say what do you do with operation go international well we here in the states we focus primarily on training churches and preachers and people all over the u.s in how to win someone to christ uh, we have about lost our vision and soul winning in America. Thank God this church hasn't. But as I travel the country, I am uh, amazed at how many people have walked away from what God said our number one responsibility is, which is to get someone else to Jesus Christ. Amen. If we lose sight of that, we've lost everything. And uh, But then overseas, we do, and here in the States, we're adding a division that I'm working on not just in helping people know how to win someone, but then how to disciple them and train them. Half of the Great Commission is get them saved. The other half is get them baptized and then teach them to where they can lead someone else to Christ and grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're working on that, and then all over the world, we're uh, in over 90 countries, and I could spend a lot of time talking about all that we do, and I don't want to, but... The Lord, since 1998, has allowed the ministry to see over 43,000 national pastors trained in soul winning and church planning. We've helped establish over 61,000 churches worldwide. We have an office in every state in India and all 36 states. We have a director over India. We have a training center in India, a Bible college in India. Uh, an orphanage that we help in india and oversee with our director and we're now building a training center and we're trying to duplicate what we did in india we're now doing in africa dr wood and i were in kenya africa back in december and uh, we started broke ground two weeks ago on a training center and also be used as an orphanage there we've got 70 something kids that pretty much have been dropped in our ministry's lap that we educate feed clothe take care of and building that to have a place for that and then also to bring preachers from all over africa and to train them and uh, establish them and then also give them the tools that they need in soul winning everything we do overseas we do not charge anything for i spend a lot of time overseas Uh, my wife and i actually was supposed to leave last saturday for papua new guinea uh, for a big conference over there we were missionaries there years and years ago And we had a big conference lined up around five to 600 Christians, pastors, and leaders from all over Papua New Guinea coming in to be trained uh, for a week or so. And um, Papua New Guinea is a third world country. And sometimes they do things when they want to do it or don't do it for no other reason than they don't want to. And I applied for my visas way, way in advance. And it got time to leave and they still had not come. So we had to postpone that trip. We're rescheduling that for September and ask you to pray about that but in the meantime we'll this year we'll, we'll wind up in papua new guinea i will be in india uh in the fall of the year i will be in the dominican republic holding conferences we will be in bolivia and um i'm missing some places that i'm supposed to be and uh, but the lord knows so i ask you to pray for us that the lord bless us and uh when that meeting got canceled i had complete peace i was disappointed but not discouraged that the lord knew for whatever reason we didn't need to be there then The only negative was I left the whole month of May open, and when you're an evangelist and missions, our support's still low. When I stepped out by faith, I just trusted the Lord, and I said, okay, God, how am I supposed to pay the bills for the month of May with no meetings? And um, it was just amazing. The next day, uh, Thursday night, I canceled it. Friday, a preacher called that I'd never met, don't know, he doesn't know me personally, and he said, hey, I'd... Got a letter back a year and a half ago about you and been praying about you. Can you come May the 22nd and preach? And then in October, come and do a revival. I said, You know what? I couldn't have as of yesterday, but I can today. And then that Saturday evening, Brother Wilkerson called and said, Hey, did you have to cancel that? And I said, Yes, sir. He said, How about coming preaching for me? So I've got Memorial Day weekend to fill and a couple Wednesdays if you pray the Lord would fill those in. But I sure thank God for his goodness let's jump right in matthew chapter number three this morning and i want to honor the time that i've got i know brother wilkerson tries to be done around 12 and i want to honor that same time Uh, and i'm a little nervous when i was a pastor uh you know i preached of course i had i preached every week of my life not just at the church but preached out anytime i was in i did our school chapel every day and so i was constantly doing new messages but the privilege of being a pastor is you get to try them out on kids in chapel or your seniors group or Sunday school class and if it don't go good you just throw that and every preacher has this file, don't ever preach again. The problem with the ministry I'm in now is anytime I get a new message or a new thought just wherever I'm at, I got to try it whether it works or not. And uh, I was studying two weeks ago and was preaching revival in Michigan. and was headed to preach that revival the first night and that night before and all day the Lord had just dealt with me on a thought and and, uh, on John the Baptist where the Bible said he did no miracles and I preached that night on John did no miracles and just some things the Lord laid on my heart and I was through that I've been looking at the life of John the last couple weeks and just the things that John did and through that the Lord started dealing with me this weekend on another thought and um, unfortunately I'm going to try it out on y'all, all all right? So be kind to me. I am not Brother Wilkerson, as y'all can tell, and uh, he's way more refined, much of a better preacher, but I will do my best, and hopefully you'll hear something worth hearing next week, all right? Matthew chapter number 3, and I know we've read, but I do want to come back to one verse in verse number 15, or verse 14, the Bible said, but John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized to thee, and comest thou to me jesus answering said unto him suffer it to be so now for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness then he suffered him as i said as i was studying john the baptist you can't study john the baptist in matthew 3 or mark or luke the the stories that tell us about the baptism of christ not come into play and as i was looking at that I got to looking at John baptizing Jesus Christ. Can you imagine? I know many on this platform's probably baptized. I've had the privilege of baptizing many people, but could you imagine being the man to baptize the Son of God? What a thought. Now, I will preach a lot faster and better if y'all say amen. Hallelujah, glory to God. If you don't like it, stick your tongue out, do something. Just let me know you're listening and we'll move along a lot quicker, okay? Uh, but sometimes in these verses, I, I was not raised a Baptist. wasn't uh, saved as in a Baptist church. I was raised and I was I was saved in a Baptist church, but wasn't raised Baptist. And I was raised in a denomination that taught you had to be baptized to be saved. And many times, this is the scriptures they would use, and they will say, well, Jesus had to be baptized, and he's showing us that because he had to be baptized, we have to be baptized or we're not going to heaven. And, and they will make the statement that Jesus had to be baptized to show that we need our sins washed away in a baptistry. Can I tell you that is false? Amen? You are not, baptism has never washed away one's sin and never can. The Bible said almost all things are purged by the blood, amen, and without the blood there is no remission of sin, and that's talking about the blood of Jesus Christ. And, and understand that, that, that many people that teach that, and that's not the message, but Jesus was baptized, and I got news for you, Jesus had no sin. The Bible said in 1 Peter chapter 2, I believe it's verse 22, Peter made this statement, who did no sin, speaking about Jesus, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number uh, 15 said, Jesus was tempted in all points, tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So we know from the Word of God that Jesus, as the Son of God, not only did not sin, He could not sin, being God, amen? And I believe that with all my heart. So here's my question this morning. If if Jesus did not, and we didn't, did not have to be baptized to wash away sin, and He didn't, and and if Jesus was God, whether He was baptized or not, and Jesus didn't need to be saved, He didn't, he, He does the saving, not needs to be saved, then the question, that come to my mind is why was Jesus Christ baptized have you ever thought about that of all the things the Lord could have let us know and we know that we've only got 66 books in our Bible and if you just take the uh, here's what John said at the end of his book he said that if everything that Jesus did was wrote that the earth could not contain the volumes so we have a small sampling of what Jesus did but God thought it important enough, three out of the four Gospels, to let us know the Son of God was baptized. Why? I want to preach on that for a few moments this morning. Why was Christ baptized? Why was Christ baptized? Now, I know we've prayed, but let me pray one more time. If nothing else, remove the jitters, and then I'll preach. Amen. Father, I love you. And, Lord, I, I'm honored. I think about the history and the heritage First Baptist Church of Hammond, and I think about the, some of the greatest men walking in shoe leather that has preached to this people. And Lord, you know my heart. This ain't just words out of a mouth. I'm a nobody and a nothing, but you saved me, and you made me somebody because of you, and you've used me in spite of me, and I want to thank you for that. And God, I don't want to just fill a spot this morning. I want to preach with the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost. And God, first and foremost, I want to glorify Jesus Christ, secondly god if there be one lost this morning i want to see them come to know you the greatest thing we could do today is see someone rescued from hell and then god i pray that you would encourage and strengthen your people and remind them of the work that you did for them and may we never take it for granted use the message strengthen my mind and my heart today i pray in jesus name amen and amen Now, I don't want to get into a lot of uh, doctrinal things, but as I was looking at this thought, there's mainly three water baptisms in the New Testament. You've got the water baptism of the repenter, which we read about in Matthew chapter number three with John the Baptist saying, bring forth fruit, meat for repentance, and I'll deal with that in a moment. And then you've got the baptism of the redeemed, and that's still practiced today. That is all those that have been saved by the grace of God, the first commandment, the first thing. God says to us is to follow him in obedience in baptism, believer's baptism. And then the third water baptism is what we find here in Matthew chapter 3, and that's the baptism of the Redeemer, of Jesus Christ. And I want to focus in on that. And by the way, all three of those baptisms were by immersion. They went into the water, they went under the water, and they come out of the water. And that's very important, and we'll look at that here in just a moment. But I want you to notice three things. Things with me or four things with me this morning if you would about this baptism of Jesus and first of all what I see in this baptism of Christ and why was Christ baptized first of all I believe it was for an identification I believe if you're keeping notes, it was for an identification. If you understand the Word of God, uh, then you understand that John the Baptist, when he uh, come to the world, the Bible said that uh, the angel told Zacchaeus, and then when, or sorry, Zacharias, and then when Zacharias' mouth was opened after the birth of John, uh, Zacharias makes an interesting statement. He said in Luke chapter one and verse number seventy-six, "Thou child shalt be called the Prophet of the Highest, for thou shalt go before." The face of the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sin. The best I can study, and I know I'm dealing with scholars on the platform, the best of my study from Genesis to Revelation, you don't find baptism in the Old Testament the way we see John doing it. We don't have one prophet baptizing the way he is. We don't have uh, one one uh, ordinance or one scripture in the Old Testament that says you're to put people under the water. The, uh, the closest thing we have is. God telling Naaman to go down into the river and dip himself seven times to cure himself of the leprosy and we know that's not a picture of baptism but I believe the answer is found there in Luke when Zacharias giving what he knows but what the angel said is said you are going to prepare baby John you are going to prepare the way for the son of God now what did that mean what that meant was all up to that time all they had was Old Testament all they had was a law that said Gentiles were excluded and only Jews were accepted and, and for Jews to be accepted they had to go to the temple, they had to have a sacrifice they had to have a priest take an animal and, and the blood be applied and all those things that went on and now God said I'm going to prepare the way of Christ, he's going to come he's going to say it's not in the law and the fulfillment of the law, it's in me, it's trust in me and God said to make sure you know this is of me, I'm going to send John the Baptist and he's going to start showing you what's to happen, John comes on the scene and he starts this uh, this thing of baptizing and the Bible said hi uh, there and, and I will turn back to it that that it would be used to show the people what the Redeemer what the Savior was going to do well what is baptism what was the purpose? what is the picture well the person goes under the water a form of death they come out of the, 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 the in the water they're buried. And when they come out of the water they've been resurrected. And I know it's elementary, but the baptism is the death and the burial and the resurrection. And it's a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of Jesus Christ. And John comes on the scene. And what he's saying is, is you have, been, you have been conditioned to kill a goat or to bring two pigeons or to bring two doves or to bring a bullock or to bring a sheep. And he said, what I want you to understand is there is one coming that is going to die. He's going to be buried and he's gonna raise again and it's not gonna be in a temple and it's not gonna be in a high priest and it's not gonna be happening behind a veil it's gonna be in the person of Jesus Christ John is wanting to prepare the way for the son of aren't you glad Jesus Christ made a way for you and I to get in and so there's an identification now get the picture and I took a little time to to get to this point but get the picture here is John the Baptist and Matthew 3, he says to them in verse number uh, 3, that these, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord. Make the paths straight. Why does the paths need to be made straight? Because mankind's crooked. We're bent towards sin. We're born to, 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 to defy God's law. And so John comes on the scene. And John says later on in Matthew 3, he said to them in verse number 10, the ax is laid under the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good few is hewn down and cast into the fire. And in verse 12 he talks about the, the, the fan is in his hand and the thoroughly purge his floor and gather. In other words, he gives the picture of a man that goes to the field and he, he gets his harvest and, and when he's done he, he throws that that wheat and the stuff into the air and, and the chaff would be blown and and then that chaff would be gathered and it would be burnt. And John was saying, Look. If you do not repent, and what he meant was if you do not admit that you're a sinner, what's what he said in verse number... In verse number 7, when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them old generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance. John was saying, look, if you don't repent, if you don't admit you're a sinner, if you don't acknowledge that no matter what you do, you cannot please God in yourself, if you think I'm all right, if you have the idea I'm not that bad of a person, Is that not the attitude of the Pharisees? They thought they were okay. They looked down on everybody else. By the way, that's the attitude of humanity today. I don't need God. I'm I'm perfectly okay. If if so-and-so that goes to church, if they're going to heaven, I know I'm okay. If so-and-so, if they can do what they do and say they know Christ, then, then I'm fine. John is in no way teaching a work salvation as some have propagated through the years. What John is saying is, you've got to realize you're a sinner. By the way, when we train people to win someone to Christ, step number one is always take them that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You cannot be saved until you realize you need to be saved. Amen? Amen? and so he's saying to them he's talking about he said that that chaff will be burnt up and he says to them that 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 he will burn up the chaff in verse 12 with unquenchable fire he's saying if you do not admit you're a sinner if you're not willing to see that on your best day you still need God you still need a Savior you need this person that I'm telling you is going to come then the only, the only remedy for you is you're going to go to hell and burn. Now, I don't say that to be offensive, but I'm not going to change the Bible. God preached more on hell. Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven. And and so many people have dumbed down hell. And I don't want to see anybody go there. I've given my life to to do my best to try to keep people from going there. But at the end of the day, if you're not willing to see that you're a sinner, that you need Jesus Christ, your good works are not going to get you there. Being a member of a church isn't going to get you there. Serving in a church is not going to get you there. Being a Baptist is not going to get you there. But trusting Jesus Christ, thank God, will keep you out hell in Luke chapter 3 and verse number 10 in the account of what we're reading here in Matthew the people asked John well what should we do well if we need this Savior what we ought to do and John says well if you got two coats keep one and, and give one he said if you have meat then come out food then give half of what you have and keep the other Now, is John saying that if you try hard enough, good works will save you? No, that's not what he's saying at all. What he's saying is, is that what you need to understand, the only way you're going to be prepared for this Savior is for you to realize there's nothing you can do, and even on the best day, and even if you give half of what you got, and even if you quit this or quit that, you still need help. You still need somebody. And if you read the text, the Bible tells us that, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the publicans come to him and said, well, what do we do? And that was the politicians. He said, well, be honest. Start telling the truth. Boy, wouldn't that be a good day? And, and then the soldiers come to him and said, well, You said bring forth fruit, meat for repentance, so what should we do? And he said, well, quit arguing about not being paid enough and complaining about it and and start being kind to people and quit trying to to be mean, which the Roman soldiers were known for and so were Jewish soldiers for that matter. And he said, just just you need to do right. Do you get the picture when we come to Matthew 3? People are lined up and John is saying he's not absolving them of their sin. He's not saying going in the water is going to take away their sin. What he's saying is you need to understand understand you're a sinner you need to admit you're a sinner and you need to be willing to do better but he's showing a picture all this water can do is push it ahead just like the sacrifice do you realize not one bull or goat or calf the Bible said took away one sin all it did was push it ahead push it ahead took away God's wrath, took away God's anger, and allowed them to fellowship with God for another year on that day of atonement, the two goats, and the bullock, and all the things that took place, and and John is saying to them, it's not about that now, what you need to understand, I'm going to put you under this water, you bring forth fruit, meat, in other words, you're telling me, yes, I'm a sinner, I'm looking forward to this person, I'm looking forward to this day, so get the the picture, they're lined up, they're coming to him, they're confessing their sin, one comes up and confesses they're a thief, and I want to do my best, to not be a thief and he says okay and baptizes them he's not saying that that saves them what he's saying is you're now in a position to hear what the Savior's got to say and if you're here lost this morning you will never be saved and you'll never be ready to hear what Jesus or a preacher or the Bible wants to say to you until you can admit your condition they're standing in line maybe a a fornicator comes up and there, did you notice what the Bible said in verse number chapter 3, verse 6? They were baptized of him in Jordan. Watch now, confessing their sins that's repeated again in the in the gospel of Luke they confessed their sins now I'm going somewhere someone else comes up and says I've, I've been a gossip and, 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 and a liar and they and I'm sorry for that another one walks up and says I'm an idolater and I've been wrapped up in idolatry and I'm sorry for that they are confessing sins publicly not saving them that water's not washing the sin away they're just telling John I realize what I am and I don't want to be this no more. But the sad news, all John could do is say, I can baptize you, and all that does is prepare you for the one to come. All that does is get you ready for what you need. That baptism never saved nobody. The baptism wasn't washing away any sin, but them coming forward, bringing forth fruit, meat for repentance was showing God and them, I'm ready for what this represents. Now I want to take you to a day John's baptized and people are lined up Maybe the adulterers come through. Maybe a fornicator's come through. A soldier's come through. And the publicans come through. And they're confessing their sin one after another after another. And then the Bible said, and I won't turn there, but in John chapter 1, verse 20, what, verse 29, the Bible said, Jesus came unto John. You want to know where John was when he came unto him? He was in the river Anon. He was baptizing there in that river. So here's the picture. They're lined up. John's come to this sinner. What kind of sin have you been committing? they confess it he baptizes them sends them on next one comes what kind of sin you committed he they baptize them next one comes on and all of a sudden Jesus Christ steps forward in the line (laughs) hallelujah I'm about to have a fit dignified or not and John looks up and there's something different about this guy John, probably, if you've baptized enough in Papua New Guinea at one time, I had one baptism. I think I baptized 58 people in the ocean. You're talking about wearing you out. That, that'll wear you out. And, and the ocean and the waves, and, and I was tired. And after a while, you're just kind of a robot, a mechanical. And, and I almost imagined John that way. And John gets through the other, looks up, says, what kind of? And all of a sudden, he sees him. And about that time, John said, behold, Hey, he ain't a sinner hey y'all stop stop the stop it everyone listen to me you that I just baptized you that are waiting way wait. I got something to say behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world hey man you know what John's saying John saying hey we've been here and I'm this kind of sinner and I'm that kind of sinner I'm guilty and I've committed this and Jesus stepped forward and John says here's the Lamb of God here's the one it ain't the water here's the one I was telling you that would baptize you with the Holy Ghost here's the one that I was telling you had the power to take away the sin John saying now here's the one in front of you that have paid for your sin take away your sin here's the one that I've been pointing to here he is I don't know if you're getting that Jesus got in line with the sinners though he had none so he could take ours he stood in a line of sinners to identify with us he who knew no sin became sin are you listening to me and because he stood in that line that day We never have to say we're a liar again. We never have to say we're a fornicator again. We never have to say we're a drunkard again or a dope addict again because Jesus Christ didn't come to bury our sins or to push our sins forward another year. He came to take away our sin as the Lamb of God. I see an identification number two. I want you to notice I believe he was baptized because it was an inauguration. I won't spend a lot of time on this. You know the verses, many of you. When John said, Behold the Lamb, everybody standing around there at the river that day, they knew exactly what he was talking about. From a child, those Jews had been ingrained with the sacrificial system and with the Passover and all the times that God talked about the Lamb. Hey, listen, we Revelation said Jesus Christ is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Can you imagine how much he loved us that from the very beginning, the minute Adam and Eve, all the way back in the garden, and hey listen Adam sinned and Eve sinned and God slew an innocent animal I personally believe it was a lamb and had and shed its blood and then used the coats to clothe Adam it's a picture of Christ going to the cross and shedding his blood and, and listen so we can be covered in the righteousness of Jesus Christ that that picture the Lamb of God which taken away the sin of the world that would have not been lost on them Jews that day their mind would have no doubt gone to Abraham Abraham had the, he was the father of faith, and he was, the, the Bible says in the New Testament, those Jews knew all about Abraham, and as Abraham was on that mountain, and his Isaac's son, his son Isaac's tied on that altar, and, and the knife, you understand that if he was going to sacrifice Isaac, he would have had to do it just like he did an animal, skin his own son, slay his own son, sacrifice his own son, separate the fat from the meat, and burn off the coal, and, and all those things, drain all the blood in a bowl, and then offer that to God Abraham was prepared to do that but with knife raised in his hand there was a ram caught in the thicket and God speaks to Abraham and says hey don't do it no I don't want you to kill your son and the ram is used in place of Isaac can you imagine Isaac getting off that altar the the ropes being untied off his hands and looking at that ram and altar I'm sure Isaac said thank God God provided a lamb Jehovah Jireh God provided a ram in my place. Can I tell you I'm glad. In 1992, a ram came by Brian Treadway's place. I deserve to die. I deserve to pay the consequences of my sin. But thank God Jesus Christ paid it all on Calvary. And in 1992, I accepted that. I'm saying to you and I, that wasn't lost on that. I'm afraid sometimes we've just gotten over what Jesus did for us. We deserve hell. We deserve to still be standing in the line of those sinners. But Jesus identified with us, and there was an inauguration of prophecy that took place. We could talk about the, 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 the Passover. I'm just simply saying that those Jews knew what Abraham, I mean, what John the Baptist was talking about. He ain't here to push it forward. He ain't here to make it go as far as the east is from the west. He's here to take it away. I'm glad my sin is gone. Notice number three, there's an illumination. Why was Christ, sorry, there's an instruction. I want to end with illumination. Why was Christ baptized? For identification, inauguration, but notice thirdly, instruction. Look at Matthew chapter three, verse number 15. John don't want to baptize him. He says, I'm the one that needs to be baptized by you. I know who you are and what you are. Jesus said in verse 15, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. What instruction does this give for you and me today? Well, I think it gives us three things, probably a lot more, but three that the Lord pointed out to me. Number one, it teaches me as a saved individual, obedience. If Jesus Christ, the Son of God, followed his Father's wish in baptism shouldn't I shouldn't you and he obeyed can you imagine what it must he obeyed in spite of appearances can you imagine my brother what it must have looked like for the son of God the one that's starting his ministry telling people he's the savior of the world to stand in line with an adulterer and a fornicator and an idolater and a liar and a drunkard and here's Jesus he didn't care what, people look, what, what what it looked like. He didn't care what people thought and what the appearance or opinion was. He was going to obey the Father. I believe there's a lesson for all of us. Some of us has been saved a while. Regardless of whether it looks what, what it looks like, we've got one obligation as God's child. Just obey the Father. He, he obeyed in spite of appearance, but may I say on John's side, John obeyed in spite of amazement. John ain't got a clue what's going on. Why do, you, why do I need to baptize you? You need to baptize me. Jesus said, just suffer it, allow it. I know you don't understand. I know you. Ain't. Can I tell you one of the hardest things as a Christian to do is just obey God when we don't know what God's doing? But that's when our faith gets put to the test. That's when we show what we have on the inside. You may be sitting here this morning and you don't understand a thing God's doing in your life. You don't understand a command of God. You don't understand why God's allowing this or allowing that. Can I just tell you this morning, just trust him. God's not asking for you to understand or have it all figured out. He's just asking for you to trust him and do what he tells you. I remember when God said, step away from pastoring in 2020. I, the Lord had let us build that church. Brother Wilkerson had been there, preach revival for us. He could tell you, great church. I loved it. I could have stayed there the rest of my life. I had no issues, no problems whatsoever. And in 2020, in the middle of COVID, God said, walk away. No money, no income, no support, and trust me. That's easy to say. It's hard to live. And I was, me and my family were very amazed. I'm the only pastor my kids had ever had up to that point. But we trusted the Lord. Can I ask you this morning, how's your obedience? I believe the baptism, the Bible said all scriptures give inspiration to God. And I believe one of the things God wants us to see is whether we're in amazement or no matter what the appearance is, just obey what God says do. Notice Jesus said, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Not only do I say obedience, I I couldn't alliterate this, but for purity's sake. The word righteousness means integrity, virtuous, purity, uprightness, correctness, and thinking. You know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, I need to go through this because I need everybody to understand that it is the death, burial, and resurrection that is going to keep you right. I'm afraid when we got saved, many times we get saved and we think Calvary's in the past. But can I tell you, what Gilgal was to Israel when they went into Canaan, Gilgal was not the end. Gilgal was the base camp where they conquered everything they needed to. Can I tell you, Calvary's not the end. It's the beginning. And what God is saying through this baptism is everything in your life, if you're going to stay right, it's going to be with one thing, the death. Jesus died for me. That ought to be enough to keep us right from now till Jesus comes. He was buried for me. He took my punishment, my payment. He he, he kept me. My penalty of hell does never have to be paid because Jesus died. And thank God I have everlasting life because he got up. If the gospel will not make you live right, no one else will. A preacher can scream and holler. We can guilt you into it. We can make you do it for a little while. But you know what he's saying with this baptism? It is the gospel of Jesus Christ that we need to focus on in our life. It'll bring a purity. It'll bring obedience. And the third instruction I see, it's a priority. Christ showed his life and ministry work all centered around what he was going to do on the cross. Can I tell you, child of God, again, just kind of connecting with the last point? Everything we are, everything we were, and everything we hope to be centers around the death, the burial, and the resurrection. I'm here today not because I'm anyone special. I'm here because of Jesus Christ. God's blessed me with a great family. I tell people, "Oh, my kids make me and my wife look good. We're not near as good as people think we are. We got great kids. Our, our, just, they're not perfect. They're normal kids, and I know they're not perfect because they belong to me. They get it from my side of the family. But my family is not where it is because of anything I've done or my wife's done. It's because of the death, burial, and resurrection. And if we could somehow get back in our focus to live with the proud, Jesus starts his ministry, I've got to be baptized because I need everyone to understand it's all about what I'm going to do on the cross. Why was Christ baptized? He was baptized for identification, inauguration, instruction, and then notice illumination and I'm done. What do you mean illumination? Well, you, you ever text or write something and you want to put emphasis on it? Parents, you ever texting your kids and you, you've told them to do something, but you know if you don't really get their attention, they're not going to do it? And I say texting now because it used to be letters, or, and you add three or four exclamation points just to make sure they know you're serious and they better do it. Well, when John makes his statement about, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Christ is immediately baptized. And it's amazing. God puts three exclamation points behind it. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 15, Jesus is baptized. Jesus said, John, I'm gonna come down in this water which is typical of that River Jordan. That was typical of mankind. You say, what do you mean the River Jordan's typical of mankind? The River Jordan starts out very clean, and it gets muddier and muddier, and by the time it winds up in the Dead Sea, it's just completely filthy. That's just like humanity. We started innocent, but as time's gone on, we've gotten dirtier and dirtier till it brings about a death, a physical death, and a spiritual death in hell. But Jesus stepped in that water. He was taking his place as a man. Hey, listen, there would be no righteousness if he did not do that then in Matthew chapter 3 verse 16 Jesus when he was baptized went up straightway out of the water watch now and lo the heavens were opened unto him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove John had never seen that before in any other baptism John had never experienced that before but it's as if God is saying hey Jesus is saying I'm here to take your place and the Holy Ghost is saying hey here's the Savior But now notice verse number 17. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son and whom I am well pleased. God looks down. By the way, you want to know what makes that statement so great? All the way back in Genesis when he created man, for day one, two, three, it was good, it was good, it was good, but when he got to Adam and Eve, he said it was very good. And then they messed everything up, brother, and he's not been able to say anything good about mankind. From that time for the next 4,000 years of history, man just messes up and messes up and messes up. There's no one else that he can look down upon man and say they're good and it's good, but now Jesus Christ standing in the line of them sinners, Spirit of God puts his approval. Jesus has put his approval and now God the Father looks down from heaven and for the first time since the Garden of Eden sees another human being, sees the second Adam, Romans 5 says and he says, hey, here's my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. God had not been pleased with anyone since Adam but now because of what Jesus did, he's saying that's him and I'm pleased and I'm saying this morning the only way we're going to please God is not through any Thing we can do—it's not just confessing we're a sinner. It's not just admitting we've messed up. It's identifying with Jesus Christ and His death and His burial and His resurrection. So I want to ask you this morning: Do you know the Lord? If you've never trusted—I'm not asking if you've been baptized, if you go to church. I'm asking: Has there been a day that you accepted the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? If not it's not hard we're gonna pray in a moment people's gonna be standing out here we're gonna ask you to come and they're gonna show you how you can leave here knowing that you're going to heaven and then for those of us that are saved when's the last time you just thanked him for taking your place in line for taking your punishment we complain about how hard it is to live for God in these days But he gave us a great example. I think that was one of the reasons Jesus was baptized, to leave instruction to us, just obey God. Maybe you've been saved and you never trusted Christ in baptism, but Jesus, the Son of God, thought it important enough to do it. You need to.